Clubhouse. Do you love Christmas? Do you love Christmas movies? Do you wish it was Christmas time year round? Well, do we have a podcast for you? Welcome to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. Whoa, 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 Clark. We're keeping this show family-friendly. Where's the Tylenol? Welcome to week 37 of the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Tonight we're talking about Deck the Halls, 2006's movie starring Danny DeVito, Matthew Broderick, Kristen Davis, Kristen Chenoweth, and Alia Shawkat for all you Arrested Development fans out there. It was written by committee, just like Surviving Christmas, another movie written by committee. This one was written by Matt Corman, Chris Ord, and Don Reimer. It was directed by John Whitesell. Okay, so this one was released in November 22nd, 2006, had a budget of $51 million and actually made back $47.2 million. So this wasn't as big a bomb as, as one would be led to believe. You know what I realized watching this movie? I, I, oh, I should say off the top, I didn't really like this movie. I didn't hate I I <laughs> liked it more than I like Surviving Christmas. Okay. I, and I like Matthew Broderick a lot. I'm a big fan of his. I like Danny DeVito a lot. I'm a big fan of his. I also like Kristen Chenoweth and Kristen Davis. Kristen Davis was my favorite person from Sex and the City. She was the only character I actually liked on that show. And I love Kristen Chenoweth. I'm a, I'm a big fan of hers. So I like everyone in this movie. Okay. This movie struck me as something that should have come out in like 1993 or 4, not okay. 2006. All right. I feel you on that. I get where you're going with that. It, it has a very thin plot. And so I think to that point, you want more out of these people and they're just paper thin. So I'm going to read this like one sentence plot summary. Two neighbors have it out after one of them decorates his house for the holidays so brightly that it can be seen from space. I mean, okay. that really nails it in one. <laughs> it really, I mean, sometimes these one-sentence plots, guys, you, you know, you've listened. They don't do a great job of summarizing it. That really hits it right on the head. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, here's the thing, though. The thing that they did right was the cast, for sure. Everything you were saying about how much you enjoy all of these characters, in or you enjoy these actors in different shows, That I think that saved them. I mean, I think that's how you get to $47 million For sure. In, at the box office, right? I mean, yeah. it's because, really, Danny DeVito, Matthew Broderick, I mean, these two can can deliver lines in a way that you want to keep watching. It's unfortunate that, you know, the actual lines and whatnot weren't very, you know, interesting. My thought about the 1993, you know, something that should have come out in, like, the 90s was Matthew Broderick and Danny DeVito make a lot of sense for you and me and, and even people yes. older than us to watch. I don't know a, a family in their 20s. Let's say a young family in their 20s who have like a, a, a six or seven year old that want to go see a Christmas movie. I don't know that they're going to get Matthew Broderick and Danny DeVito as casting. They seem of another time there. It, it would be like casting a movie in 2021 with like Marlon Brando in a comedy. 
You know, like you, why, why, what? I mean, that does, I don't know who that is. Like, that's a name that my gramps used to talk about kind of thing. Like, I feel like families in 2006, Dane DeVito was from Taxi in the 1970s, you know, Ferris Yeah, but like twins and stuff. Like, you know. 1992? I mean, I'm just saying they seem very old casting for a 2006 family movie. I'm going to say that this maybe is more for like grandparents because at the end of the day, the kids play very lightly into this. Like this really isn't about, it's not about Santa Claus and gifts and that kind of stuff. It's not really about that. I mean, it's really about that like next generation up of like, you're kind of older and, and you kind of set in your ways and you have certain ways that you do your traditions and whatnot. I was looking at this as like, I don't know, like the three o'clock matinee Mm -hmm. or something that like retirees are going to go see this is who is this that's the family quote unquote that i'm thinking this is for you are 100 percent correct as the credits started to roll i thought i was like who do i go see this in a movie theater with and it's <laughs> it's it's a sunday matinee just like you said and and you mm-hmm. walk out of there and you're like you know what it was cute it's yeah right a, a right perfectly like fine way to spend an afternoon you know 30 bucks in tickets and some snacks you totally get your money's worth for that it's not good cinema and I know like some 60 year olds who are there on like a Tuesday afternoon. All the kids are in school. The place is quiet. You have like your popcorn, your soda. You go out for like the four o'clock lunch and you're heading home. Like this feels right on. AMC matinees on Tuesday used to be half off pricing. You can go see a movie for yeah. like four bucks uh, at AMC on the Tuesday. To be fair, this is also one that you could put on with grandparents in the house while, say, you're decorating the tree or you're trying to, like, make a gingerbread house and the kids are all busy and all that kind of stuff. But, like, you just want to turn on a movie. It doesn't require a ton of, like, investment. You can be walking through the room and still be like, oh, my God, look at the hijinks. What are they doing now? And it'd be fine. It's, like, inoffensive in that way. If you're, like, one of those, you know, uh, if you're wrapping presents uh, one night with a group of people, maybe having some drinks or, you know, doing that. This is a perfect movie to have on the background for noise. Sure, you know, a yeah, ton, of, no. a ton of Christmas music in here. And and there's some parts that definitely made me laugh out loud. <laughs> I should back it up by saying I love Christmas light displays. I okay, have yeah. I, the bigger, the better. I wish all Christmas light displays could be seen from space. I didn't have a problem <laughs> other other than other than the fact that it was showing Danny's Danny DeVito's face on the roof. That was so funny. Though. It was very funny. <laughs> but like, you know, I mean, I, I would sell that as a, like a tailored product, you know, for everyone, I guess, to have your family's face shown on it. I'm all about that. I wish every house was like that. I I a part of Christmas time for me is is loading Tom reluctantly into the car and driving around and looking at the big, you know, Christmas displays the ones who have to make deals with the energy company so they don't get killed on the bills and they give their money to like St. Jude or whatever I love those houses I will go see them every night I'm a big fan of what the halls are doing here specifically what Buddy Hall is doing here I don't know how many people have this need to be like the biggest house on the block kind of thing so Mm. much so that it can be seen from space like that whole thing was it was like I mean there's definitely one in every town don't get me wrong but like that's it though like one in every town maybe two in every town but certainly not like oh all these people on the block like understand what you're doing does that make sense it absolutely does I think um, the main theme of this movie is actually not about Christmas I I think this is a Christmas movie don't get me wrong and I think Kristen Davis her name's Kelly in the movie Um, I think she actually has a great little quote that really gets to what I think a lot of Christmas should be about and people forget about all the time but I think the main thrust of this movie is really Buddy's story and his drive and his need which is as a middle-aged man 
it, it's it's definitely something that like I think about all the time. This concept of feeling invisible, feeling restless. I mean, he has this quote here uh, that he's talking to uh, his wife. Kristen Chenoweth, with which maybe height wise they make sense as a couple but otherwise i i don't get that but agree let's hear i mean listen to this listen to this clip great 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 great, great, great. <laughs> yeah mm, it's great mm. buddy buddy yeah buddy yeah bud i know don't you even you always do this. You start out great. You lose interest. And the next thing you know, I'm up to my neck in cardboard boxes. No, it's great. I'm a car salesman. Hey, that's a good job. Yeah, it's a great job. Great job. Car salesman, carpets, uh, copiers, futons. It's all the same. I don't know. I'm just hoping that, you know, one day I do something big. Something important. Something monumental. You are. You're going to pay off our monumental debt. And then you pair it with this quote when he's talking to the his boss at the car dealership, the son of the dealership owner, about about chasing things and, and quitting things. Let's listen to this. You're a great salesman. Everybody knows that. All right? Thank you. Thank you. But the problem is, is your numbers are way down, buddy. All right? You can't sell cars if you're never here. Mm. Bob, it's the lights, the Christmas lights. See, all my life I've been looking for that, that one thing, that one important thing. And I've always quit everything I started. I can't quit this, Bob. I got to finish this. I, I find that's a very relatable. As I approach, I'm 43. I'm going to be 44 in three months. I find that a very relatable, like thought. Okay, uh, like something like you want to make your mark in some way. Yeah, I'm in. You're just kind of invisible in your day. What when the story's written on you? What are people going to say? What's your what's your what's your headstone going to say? Was a car salesman forever, you know? Right. Was a cog in the machine. Was a cog in the machine, right. And and now I, I think there's a part of that where and he's forgetting, sure, but you're also a father to these to these two girls. You're my husband, and we see you. And that's definitely something that's being lost here and something that everyone I think needs a little bit of a reminder of. You may feel invisible to the world, but you're very visible to us. That aside, and I think that's a very valid point, but that aside, I get this idea of where's my mark? Where's my light in space kind of thing? I, I That resonated with me a bunch in this movie. Okay, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm very much with you on that. And, and I appreciate that he does seem genuinely like fulfilled when, you know, when the MTV, you know, reporter comes on and stuff like there's some part of his little heart that does seem very happy. Now, there's a whole other element of this character of this like shyster, you know, user kind of guy that I kind of wish they leaned into more because I think that that part, that sort of 
cousin Eddie feel to him was actually pretty funny. And like the way that he would, when he walked away from the, from their front porch after having met the Finches for the first time, you know, the wife has the coffee in her hand and he has the newspaper and they just basically walked away with this couple's like coffee and newspaper. More of those moments should have happened and been more of who they were because they kind of dropped that. Like this is who they are. They kind of come into town in the middle of the night and kind of like, you know, just just weasel their way around town. But then they really dropped that and they became this like super wholesome, the the wives, you know, banding together because their husbands just don't get it and they just get too wrapped up in the holidays. Like that became who they were, but that's like not who they were to begin with, you know? It totally subverted expectations that the wives never turned on each other or, or anything like that. Right, because yeah. I, like, like you, I was like, oh, I get this. Like I, I get what this movie's gonna be. They're gonna he's gonna be the guy who comes into town and is all, you know, snake oil salesman, you know, smiles and turns the town against Matthew Broderick, but is like a real snake in the grass. Like it's when no one's looking, he's like, I'm going to kill you, kind of thing. But he never <laughs> actually was that. I mean, there was there was the little bit of revenge that he does with the car. I guess it wasn't little, actually. It was pretty dramatic. With the with, car and the tree. With the car the and, tree. and, and the Lord. tree. But the that tree so he never got caught on the tree and the car mm-hmm. worked itself out. And it was only in retaliation because he had thrown ice into his fuse box, which also would have pissed me off, too. (laughs) I think the whole idea of them coming in the middle of the night and all that is just that they move a lot. Uh, that right that's part of Kristen Chenoweth's whole thing yeah, is but, but you can't like you can't deny the whole that whole porch scene that I just said they yeah. walked off drinking his coffee right and reading his newspaper and then the next scene was basically him you know like selling the car to the to the owner of the car dealership like they they set them up so and both of them I mean Tia the wife I marveled at the fact that you know she the 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 um Finches come over and say hi, and then within a second, Kelly is driving all the kids to school, and Dia's just like, bye. Like, she doesn't have anything to do now. Like, that was all very sly i guess i want to say and yeah. they just dropped that for them though yeah. like they started them off that way and then just let it go yeah that's true it definitely feels like they got to the end of like page two of the script and they're like all right we're gonna go with Let's the direction more because then she, because then she's supporting her with making the cookbook and, and actually falls through yes. right because we see that the cookbook yes. has come together by the end of the movie although and- did you see the, some of those dishes i mean they were pretty hilarious like yes. the reindeer head the reindeer head <laughs> made me laugh out loud for sure me too i was like oh my god Overall, the only really bad guy in this movie is Matthew Broderick. And that's where I think you get to the kind of the Christmas theme of this story is here's a guy who is just so wound up. I I, I told you when we were watching this, I actually turned this movie off uh, halfway through. He had me I, I had I had a very long week at work and then sat down to watch this. And that together with his neurosis and his vibe and being so wound up and so wound tight, it was little my my like chest was pounding hard. When when he goes to back out the car, which no human could fit a car through there, I don't know what he's thinking. No, I don't understand. And you know what? I think it like adds. He was he's an eye doctor. 
he can't see my my <laughs> like, knuckles had turned so white from the fist like i was getting anxiety from watching him i had to turn the movie off because he's like a classic guy and and these people exist i i you know i i, I have a little bit of him and i think that maybe is what i was also picking up on because i think i do have a tendency to lose the forest through the trees kind of thing uh and some not always sometimes uh, you know for sure where you you over schedule things as to beat all of the fun and spontaneity out of it again i don't even actually think he's a bad guy i think he is just a guy who's very comfortable in his life and cannot handle any deviation from that whether it's a a bad neighbor or an alteration from a schedule uh, this is the kind of guy like who is stamping his feet if you were 10 minutes late to leave for something he's, yeah. he's like in the car honking the horn if you're taking too long get your shoes on or something like that yeah I, which i don't like no no not at all but then don't you think there should have been something more calculated more exacting about his revenge than just throwing a snowball into the fuse box they were uneven in how these characters would have acted they should have kept the slyness of Buddy. They should have kept the anal compulsiveness of Steve and like played out their revenge things at each other within their own lanes. Right. Because I feel like throwing a snowball is what Buddy would have done, not what Steve would have done. They dressed him in that ridiculous spy outfit, but then he should have done something way more like scientific or interesting. Yeah. Right. 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 He's wearing a full on tactical suit and he, his, his entire plan is after he, you know, mission impossible, mission impossibles himself across the yard, snips the fuse box. His entire plan is, throw snow into there maybe because he's going with the like classic riddle of you know the ice cube melts is the end of the riddle maybe he is thinking that the snow would melt before but if you short out your entire house at at, at this entire house the guy's gonna come flying out of the house well should he actually doesn't he should come flying out of the house immediately with his hair on fire like what the f just happened right and and steve is just kind of like you know he's talking to his wife in his tactical gear in the middle of the street he's got the kid up in the pole yes what is happening and And that's like so hijinxy like does anyone actually think that dr steve finch would allow his son to climb up the light pole right like any one of us i mean that doesn't match the analness of their family like at all they should have just leaned into that like i kind of felt like you know this a lot of this felt like they were leaning into christmas vacation like a lot of it for me and there are parts to the finch family that could have very much been the next door neighbors could have been Margot, you know and like that uptight you know gotta do it in a certain way everything's sterile whatever you should have leaned into that where buddy was the more spontaneous cousin eddie kind of silliness of it all both sides they kind of put the clark character as both buddy and steve sometimes they were very like full of heart and just wanting to do right for the holidays but then they leaned into these other personalities if you will yeah i feel a little bit like this is the surviving christmas problem uh as as i'll call it where it's it's like there's two or three movies here and mm-hmm. so everyone kind of comes off a little bit schizophrenic. Like, yes. again, optometrist Steve, who is very persnickety and very precise, that guy is not catcalling at a Christmas 
dance uh, fest. Who's your daddy? And obviously, it's going to be their daughters. I mean, anybody who's ever seen a movie, <laughs> I saw that coming a mile away. Not only that, but it's a small town. It's a like, small you town. Don't... You're gonna know, right? You're gonna know. You've probably treated yes. whoever it is behind those yes. backs when they turn around. And that's not a guy. This is not a guy who catcalls. He probably has. He probably has relations with his wife with his clothes on. Is my vibe. <laughs> so he's not screaming, "Who's your daddy?" at the Winterfest. Come on. And this is not the type of town who has a Winterfest with a sexy Santa dance either. Right. Right. Like that didn't make sense. Like, come on. They're like, "Hey, that scene from 2004's Mean Girls was great. Uh-huh. Let's let's lift it whole cloth and put it into this movie." This is what I'm seeing in this. I see whole vignettes of like other movies like even the fact that buddy wears like a hockey jersey when they're doing the speed skating i was like if that is not some sort of little like hey i'm trying to draw on your love for christmas vacation right now like there's just so many little parts to that even the lights even the lights in a big way are christmas vacation in him wanting to make it bigger and better and you know climbing off the roof and just the way that um buddy was just like so haphazardly trying to put the lights on but then when you stand back they're all like perfect rows and you're like there's no way that buddy hall put them that evenly on this like they should have been more wild you know right yeah the logic of this movie makes no sense you know so like we said you know three guys wrote this movie it feels like they had each had like a page of script so it was like matt you write page one chris you write yes, page two yes. and we'll just use conjunctions to connect the pages together it no other no, no other thought has to go into connecting page to page of the script it's yeah. like when it's like when you do that like um that like improv exercise where you're like the yeah and then you just say whatever you're like yes, cat, and, and i'm right, like, right. pooped right. exactly exactly <laughs> on house <laughs> you just like keep saying things back and forth. but it's like three writers so you're just like you're just like buddy barfed speed skate like you just like keep going around you're like wait what like uh that wasn't like an actual thought and you didn't keep to the characters so erg please don't go watch this movie because you're looking for cinema right this is a great in the background movie this is a christmas time movie where you're watching you're you're just overloading yourself on sugar cookies and christmas themes and you know what just 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 listen to it for the music if nothing else don't pay attention because i think the music in this is actually pretty great me too that's exactly i thought of you so much when i was watching this and i thought he's gonna really enjoy the music part again why i think you be at the kitchen counter making some gingerbread house with the kids and someone else is over there hanging stockings or whatever and this movie is just on in the background as just some familiar voices you're gonna hear matthew broderick you're gonna hear danny devito there's gonna be singing there's gonna be great christmas songs and just leave it at that forget about what the plot is supposed to be in the same way that surviving christmas seemed like it was a nightmare to shoot there was a quote in the trivia section for this movie uh, by Gillian Vigman, who uh-huh. plays Goethe. Uh, that was Fred Amerson's wife, the two Germans that oh, he interprets sh- for. Uh, she's talking about how, how everyone was unhappy on set. Apparently, Kristen Chenoweth was still coping with her split from Aaron Sorkin, which I think had happened the year before. Danny DeVito was just flying to the film set and doing his scenes and then leaving so he wouldn't interact he wasn't hanging out on the set or interacting with anyone wow Uh, matthew broderick was found muttering walking around the set muttering like a crazy person shaking his head in disbelief repeatedly stating that i've hit rock bottom Kristen davis advised ms vigman to have her eggs frozen wow (laughs) 
So, so it sounds like it was quite the experience of of a lot of happy people An on the set. Erotic bunch of people, huh? Yes, yes. No one wanted to be there. No one. It didn't no. seem like anyone wanted to be there at all. And you know what, guys? Like that comes through. So, you know, yeah. sometimes you do a movie and you don't realize how unhappy everyone was backstage. But a lot of times, it, it come it comes through where you get this feeling that. This person is just saying this line. They will give you two takes maximum, and then they are leaving. And and you know, there's a bunch of that in this movie too. You get that like did it for the paycheck vibe, right? Exactly. Like I need <laughs> to put like another extension on my pa- my house in like you know <laughs> right. uh, the Palisades or something. So <laughs> super funny. Okay, Mike. Well, let's get around to is this a Christmas movie? Well, I want to play this clip from Kristen Davis because I was looking for the Christmasness of it all. This is like one of those movies that is so overwhelmingly a Christmas movie. It makes no sense any other time of the year. But why? What is there like Christmas meaning here? And she gives this quote towards the end of the movie when she's had enough of uh, his shenanigans after he tries to burn down the house with the atomic warlord firecracker. Really? What is your favorite Christmas memory? Well, well, you know what it is. I was seven years old. My dad and I moved to Alabama, and on Christmas morning, we woke up and sat on the kitchen floor, ate French fries, and drank chocolate milk. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't planned. It wasn't organized. Nobody had to enter it into their Blackberry. It just happened. Our family's so busy. We have to plan things out. No, you. You were the busy one. You said this year our kids needed Christmas more than ever. No. What they need more than ever is you. Carter wanted to go Christmas shopping with you. And he wanted to cut down that tree with you and Madison. Well, Madison's a teenage girl, so she just pretty much ignored you. But if you've been paying attention, you would have seen that she just wants you to know that she's not a little girl anymore. Yeah, yeah, well, that's a message I got pretty clear. You just don't get it. Christmas traditions are born in those little chocolate milk and french fry moments. And you can't control it. We don't fit in the tiny little boxes on your Christmas calendar. Christmas traditions are born in the little moments. I, you, you know I love that phrase. That, that's the kind of stuff I'm going to go put on a pillow. I might have kind of squeed at the, um, which I'm not a squeer. Like, let's just be clear. I'm not somebody who does a lot of squeeing, right? But I might have when she said the chocolate milk and french fries moments. I was like, that might have been like the best written line of this entire movie. Because best written line, best delivered line for sure. It, it is so, so true. And I know we've all had those moments with our kids. You know, I've had where I went to go check, out, check in on a kiddo who's supposed to be asleep and she was in there putting balloons on the ears of these little tiny uh, dollhouse rabbits that she had because she was making a bunny party and I could have yelled at her and been like go to bed like you're not supposed to be awake but you know what I like went in there and started putting balloons on like the rest of the little rabbits because she was having a little party and I just thought it was adorable and like that's like one of those chocolate milk and french fry moments like you just like have to like grab that with two hands when they happen I appreciate so much though both sides of this like I get Steve Finch so much. I have a folder, Mike. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it for Christmas because my parents throw this gigantic 
Christmas Eve party, and it requires a lot of moving parts. And one person will end up feeling like they did the lion's share if there's not sort of like divvying up of what people are going to do. I don't mind. I don't get my feelings hurt about it. But but there's other people in my group who will start to feel like, well, where's that person? How come they're not doing more? Like they start feeling like they're doing too much. And so for me, I'm like, I get it. I get wanting to say like, we hang the wreath on this day and we do this on this day. But it's too much the way that he can't he can't allow for the chocolate milk and French fry moments. That's where you're like, ah. but you know what? To be really, really honest with you, they told us that about Steve. Mm-hmm. Do you really think you saw that? Because the only thing I saw him wanting to do was cut down the tree. But when you really came to like that true like OCD, like got to do it in a certain way. Did you actually see a lot of scenes where Steve had specific Christmas traditions that had to happen at a specific time? Well, I think it gets derailed by the obsession with the lights. I think that's the whole thing is that it, it, he's not he's not being allowed to live. Uh, the, I think I because it would make the clip too long. The language right before the scene that uh, the clip I just played is her saying, like, you know, we're going to go to the hotel where Tia and the girls are. And he says, uh, you know, don't let that jerk pointing at Danny DeVito's house. Don't let that jerk ruin your Christmas. And she she turns to him and she's like, you're the jerk ruining Christmas. You know, yes. but from Steve's point, he's been, his Christmas is being ruined because he's not being able to do the things like on the third, we hang the wreath. On the seventh, we cut down the tree. You know, so I think that's what the issue is. I think he is that guy. I think when he brings out and he unveils the 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 Christmas calendar, the Advent calendar. If you're raised, if you're raised Catholic, you call it an Advent calendar if it has candy in it. You know, like that whole thing. uh, You know, and and you get the feeling like the fact that he already has like unique days painted on like certain days to do certain things yeah i think you get that vibe and the idea of him being an optometrist the better one better two better one better right. two you know all of that i think goes through i think i think his i think he's reaching his breaking point because he's not being allowed to do those things i guess my point is though just from establishing a character or just from establishing like what is the problem exactly to me, I would have rathered them do a couple of things mm. so that there is some established regiment that you can see this family goes through that's much more rigid than they really ended up allowing for. Like, I, I think they could have cut out other parts. The editing could have been a little different to show, like, I'm not even sure. Do you think that Kelly at the beginning of this, like, was she really not on board with it? Because I kind of think that she comes off as like a very stereotypical Connecticut, you know, white picket fence. Everything is in its place kind of woman. That's how they paint her. And so then you're kind of like, does she really, is she really at odds with Dr. Steve? I don't know. Personality wise, I'm not sure. But he's talking to, he's talking a good game though. When the movie first starts though, he's telling her things like, you know, this needs to be a great Christmas for the kids like they really need it and she's like yeah you know and she's also at her own crossroads with doing the book or not so i think it's one of those things she's just lived with it for so long that she needed a Kristen chenoweth to come into her life to see like how messed up or priorities in the wrong place their lives really are remember steve has told the mayor of the town at the beginning of the movie the mayor at the movie says you're the guy who runs the winterfest he's the optometrist in the town why is he running the winterfest so i think it's just this is just how it is in this town and i think krista davis is just 
at the beginning of the movie is just along for that. Like she's doesn't even realize that she should be bucking that system. I guess so. I, I mean, I don't even buy like when you said the line of like that the kids need this great Christmas. What? What were you getting about these kids that they needed? Well, the boy has an existential crisis at the dinner table and, you know, the teenage daughter is just withdrawing. But at least they acknowledge that that's just how teenage girls are. You get what I mean, though. Most of the time, if you're going to do that in a Christmas story, somebody better have died or there better be some like real wiggity circumstances where you're like, they need a good Christmas this year. Otherwise, it just feels like... Wow, y'all are like super dramatic. Like you're just raising kids. You I, know? I think in a better movie, obviously, it would have been set up. But I, I had a good understanding. I felt like this guy was exactly who they were portraying him as. I, I got that right away. That that I didn't have a problem with. It was it was he ends up becoming unlikable because his inability to just roll with it. Like you don't yes. need to actually be in charge of the Winterfest thing. You know, you don't like what let it go. You know, your petty jealousies don't impress anyone. No one can no one everyone else here is trying to have a good time, Steve. Except for right. you. You know? Right. And that, that's what I kept like wanting to yell to TV was just like everyone else is trying to have a good time, <laughs> He's man. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like unclench your butt cheeks, you know. You know what it is? Maybe it's when Kristen Davis has to support uh Kristen Chenowitz's butt with both of her hands. Maybe that is what transfers like a little bit of her personality in the Kristen Davis character and sets her on this new path of I see. It's like a little freaky Friday like yeah. osmosis of craziness. I see. Yeah, like once both hands are like on the cheeks kind of thing, like that's where like the brain switch happens. That makes um, sense. That makes sense. It felt right well, to me, I'm I'm gonna so. agree with you, Mike. This is definitely a Christmas movie. I mean the music was great. Obviously this entire thing has to happen at Christmas in order to have the lights and the the entire premise and even all the preparation that involves everyone in the town really is all wrapped up in Christmas. So I think we agree. Yes, definitely right. Christmas movie. And, and it's a little undercooked, but yeah, the whole town coming together at the end too to help him put back up with yeah. the lights to help him achieve his dream and the men finally learn their lesson. I mean, is it a good Christmas movie? I mean, that's a that'll be in our Jingle Bell ratings reflected, you know. But yeah, I I, I don't think you could argue that this is a Christmas movie. Movie. It's paying at a minimum lip service to all of the things that we've been talking about for 37 weeks that make up a Christmas movie. <laughs> so, You think you're ready for some fast facts? Oh, please. Originally, this one was titled All Lit Up. I think that's super funny, actually. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why they would have changed it. I mean, I get Deck the Halls is obviously the guy's name is Buddy Hall. Which I was like twenty minutes into the movie before I put that together. By the way, like I wasn't, <laughs> I, I wasn't that. focused on the, the, his name, I guess. And and at no point does he actually deck him, even though you know he wants to. Oh, so, that would have been funny, right? I deck the hall, like that would have nice. been a Christmas pun I can get behind. <laughs> I love it. Love One it. of those three guys in the number of script <laughs> changes that they, I'm sure that this movie went underwent, they couldn't come up with that that pun. I'm ashamed of them. Wow. So. In a November 22nd, 2006 interview with ABC's Live with Kelly and Ryan, Kristen Davis confessed that she had been nervous being cast as the wife of Matthew Broderick, who is the real-life husband of Davis's longtime friend Sarah Jessica Parker from when they were on Sex and the City together. She said she'd received approval via email from SJP. However, not before a rewrite of the script was added that Davis termed a playful kissing scene between herself and Broderick. Apparently, though, according to Kristen Davis, in her opinion, the scene actually actually as filmed was a little too steamy for the PG rating and it should have been cut from the film. 
That is a lot to wrap my brain around. I don't even know what to think about that. I, I, well, think about now, guys, again, uh, if you guys look, there is a six minute, I think, blooper reel of this movie on YouTube. You could watch. It looks like it must have been taped from the DVD. Maybe it's, it's not, uh, it's someone filming it and then posting like a TV screen on, on, uh, on YouTube. Anyway, at one of the scenes, it's uh, where the girls are about to go out with the date with the sailors. And there is a, a scene where Matthew Broderick is helping Kristen Davis put on her coat. And they have to run it a couple of times because he keeps screwing up the line. But he is very blatantly looking at her chest. I, th- I counted it maybe nine times in like the three takes where his like eyes like almost like a cartoon character drop to her chest and stare at it like open mouthed. So I don't know. <laughs> what a strange relationship that that crew must have behind the scenes. Yes. I, I don't know. I'm like, OK. All right. Well, so how about this one? Buddy's win of the speed skating race is a parody of the 2002 Olympics in which Australian Stephen Bradbury came from last place in the last lap to win the gold when all the other competitors fell down. (laughs) That is hysterical. It is funny to me. (laughs) Staying with that same scene, Matthew Broderick actually trained with a real-life speed skater for a few months leading up to the filming of the movie. Uh, They trained uh, at Chelsea Piers in New York, which is this large sports complex uh, on the west side of, of Manhattan. I am like super raising my eyebrow. I'm like, wow, you that that feels like a lot of work for like a very little thing there. Like, well, but he's the only one who, who really comes off as knowing how to speed skate. That's like, true. That's true. So he sold it, I guess. Right. And the indignity of him losing to, you know, Danny DeVito is, is, is just <laughs> He's like slip sliding around at the at the starting line. I mean, come on. After doing this podcast, Danny DeVito is forever the penguin. You know, just a, uh, like a like an egg shaped human, and I can't see him as anything else at this point. So watching him try <laughs> to speed skate is hysterical to me. So if you look up the worst movies on Rotten Tomatoes, the very worst reviewed movie has like a zero rating, and it is a, a Nutcracker 3D. But just sitting above that, the worst movies on Rotten Tomatoes are Christmas with the Cranks, this movie coming in at the third worst uh, ranked movie on Rotten Tomatoes, and then sitting right above this is Surviving Christmas. So we have hit <laughs> we have hit the three worst movies, uh, according to Rotten Tomatoes. I, you know what, though? Here's the thing, Mike. You and I have seen a lot of movies. Yes. I find it hard to believe that really... Really, these are considered the worst. Well, movies. remember, you got to keep you got to keep a little perspective, though, because those are being those are rankings by film critics. And again, this is like like so many movies, but Christmas related and otherwise critics get it wrong all the time because for whatever reason, they don't understand what real like normal human beings actually enjoy about movies. And they have their own hoity-toity points of views about movies and so if you look at if you look at a lot of rankings of movies uh, that are just normal releases especially blockbuster movies or like say superhero movies are common now but certainly christmas movies the viewer rankings always tend to be much higher than the critics rankings and so when it gets six percent i think this movie got a six percent on uh, rotten tomatoes <laughs> that's critics 
uh, that's a critic ranking. And, you know, so that kind of gives it a little more, I think, perspective and maybe makes a little bit more sense. But I, w- I did want to say for my fast fact, this movie, like Surviving Christmas, also received a bunch of Golden Raspberry Awards. Uh, yeah, so it was nominated. They were nominated, for, yeah? Yeah, it was nominated. It lost all three uh, nominations. It was nominated for Worst Excuse for Family Entertainment and lost to RV, a movie starring Robin Williams that no one remembers. Uh, it was nominated for, Danny DeVito was nominated for Worst Supporting Actor, and the loss to M. Night Shyamalan, appearing in his own movie, Lady in the Water. And Kristen Chenoweth was nominated for Worst Supporting Actress for her work in not only Deck to Halls, but also The Pink Panther and RV. She was wow. in all three of those, and her, and her uh, work was nominated for Worst Supporting Actor for all of them. And she lost to Carmen Electra from Date movie and scary movie four so wow (laughs) all right mike are you ready for some jingle bell ratings i am but can i play you a little clip of our next week movie yes please you can't do anything like you do in st louis oh no darling you're wrong no no new york is a wonderful town Everybody dreams about going there. But we're luckier than lots of families because we're really going. Wait till you see the fine home we're going to have. And the loads and loads of friends we'll make. Wonderful friends. <laughs> but the main thing, Tootie, is that we're all going to be together. Just like we've always been. That's what really counts. We could be happy anywhere as long as we're together. <laughs> That crying is a bit much for for my mom heart. Like it's making my uterus like convulse. Like someone tell her stop. <laughs> a little clue is we actually saw that clip in Deck of the Halls. It was actually playing on the TV. Okay, well, so I know that in Deck of the Halls and in Family Stone, weren't yes. they also watching this movie? Okay, yeah, so were. then I think this is Meet Me in St. Louis, even though I haven't seen it. So, but I think this is a Judy Garland. I definitely recognize her voice. That crying. I wish it could be like way toned down. I don't need that much whimpering. So, yeah, that's what I think it is. And you are correct. It is 1944's Meet Me in St. Louis, starring Judy Garland, uh, directed by Vincente Minnelli. And Whoa, uh, the, Vincente. Uh, the, the little girl crying there, her name is Margaret O'Brien. But you guys are going to find out all about them more next week. So, all right. I look forward to that one. Yeah. All right, Mike, I think you're up for Jingle Bell ratings first this time. I'm giving this one five and a half Jingle Bells. It is a Christmas movie. It is undeniable. It has a couple of parts that made me like smile and and giggle a little bit. I did like the music. I think it is confused. I think it makes no sense. I think it is the worst kind of product you get by script (laughs) by committee. But I love Danny DeVito. I love Matthew Broderick. I love the ladies in this movie. So those guys alone, I'm going to hand my money over and want to go see this. And like you said earlier, this is a great movie to go see with your Nana and your kids as like a family outing. It's not offensive. It's going to make people laugh at different parts. And it's great background music for when you're doing this or that during the Christmas time season. So I love that. I am going to give this one a 4.8, Mike, for many of the same reasons. I think a key thing of like Christmas movies for us has to be that inoffensive nature, something you got to have something to put on when the grandparents are sitting around at the house. It's been like day two, you know, of people being there, but you but you're done opening presents and whatever. And you just have to put something on. I feel like 
this is one of those movies that I could be cleaning up or moving around the house or doing stuff. And I like the music and I like what's going on. And I like those familiar voices. And the grandparents and the little kids are going to be like, this is funny. Like there's a lot of hijinksy. It kind of is, has right. those um, America's Funniest Home Video moments, if you will, that, that totally work. And it does have everyone coming together at the end, a la very, every single time I'm going to use Charlie Brown as my example, um, where they do come together and everybody makes it work. So I think in that way, it's something to keep keep in mind yeah and at the end of the day also i think any movie that Kristen chenoweth gets to sing in in like in an earnest way is not going to be an altogether bad movie i love it <laughs> it made me think of that that part when he heals jesus like that right <laughs> and then he starts to sing christ is born <laughs> right exactly super funny <laughs> This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Thank you for listening to the 52 Weeks of Christmas podcast. If you wouldn't mind heading over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe while you're there. And if you could head to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating, that would be fantastic so that we don't have to crawl across your yard, open up your fuse box, and throw a big ice ball in there, blowing up your house. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.